0: Happy Resurrection morning, Rock Harbor. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, this is our time. Amen. You know, we we celebrate every. Of course, we do. Of course, we celebrate every day. Uh, we celebrate what the Lord's done and in our lives. Uh, but this, this is the day that Christians are, are we, that we show out, and that we're not ashamed and that we push out, and we let the world know that we still we still believe in uh, a risen Savior, and we still cling to Him, and that He is the only source, and He is the only God of this world. Amen. Amen. There is no other God. And so, uh, we make that stand today, and, and it's uh, it's a beautiful and wonderful day. Um, it's the day that the Lord hath made, but I'm glad that it is sunny and not raining. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, a, it's thumbs up. It's a good deal. So, uh... Page 26, obviously we're going to talk about death being destroyed, uh, which is always a fantastic topic to talk about whether it's Easter or not. Um, This is a staple of our faith. Staple. Um, I think it's very important, too, in in the Christian faith um, that we get our staples down. That we understand what they are. We understand understand what we believe. We understand the theology behind it. Because if you're you're kind of wishy-washy on those kind of things... Uh, and you don't really have a lot of knowledge about it and you just kind of say you know I just I just do it because well I was I was told to do it you really need to you really need to have your faith in place but you also need to understand where it came from you understand the history behind it you understand um, all the things connected to it I'm not you don't have to be a scholar to do that either it's just that if we're gonna believe in a, in a risen savior then we have to understand the story that's behind it mm-hmm. we have to we have to get that and and, and to us um, that should be, Something that we're striving for all the time is to garner more knowledge about Christ, more knowledge, because when when the when disbelief comes, we're able to put our faith forth and we're able to make that good argument. Uh, central truth is that Christ's resurrection guarantees victory over death for believers. What a Amen. guarantee! There's not a lot of there's not a lot of good guarantees in the world today. Um, there are some guarantees that have been given, and and uh, you find out later on when you buy something, they say it's guaranteed. Or it's limited, a limited guarantee. How many of you have seen that on the tag before? Yeah, it's got a limited guarantee. Anytime you see limited guarantee, it's probably a little bit shady. Yeah. <laughs> see, there's, there's a lot of things that could go wrong in that situation. It's probably not going to be covered. But we get a, a full guarantee with Christ being our Savior that death is defeated and that you and I will experience eternity with him. Now, we're going to get into the eternity thing here in a minute that's something today that you and I should be extremely excited about is that this is not all there is now I get that I'm here and I have a job to do and I have things that that I need to accomplish on this earth you all do you all got th- we all got things to, that we still have to do right you're still here we still got it we got a job to do we got mm-hmm. things that need to be taken care of but this is not all there is thank God that this is not all there is mm-hmm. that this is not the only life that there's a life ahead mm-hmm. and not just a and not just a life, but something of high value and with immortality. 1 Corinthians 15 and 20, this is the scripture. Now is Christ risen from the dead and becomes the first fruits of them that slept. Under Let's Get Started, it says the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central truth of the Christian's faith, ideologies, philosophies, and religious belief systems around our world, uh, in, our, in our world, but Christianity stands apart from all of them because we serve a risen Savior. Uh, it's, that's. An important fact to also understand, when it comes to other religions, you have to understand what separates you from everyone else. And the separation is, is that there was a promise given. This I've listened to this in debates. I've listened to this uh, between atheists and, and um, uh, professors and, and just all of the like that talk about this. Christianity is the only faith where there was a documented promise given. A documented promise that was given and a documented promise was fulfilled by, the, by not just the death but the resurrection of one's God. No other faith can claim that. Yours can. Amen. Amen. You're the only faith on the face of the planet that can claim that there was a promise given. He actually did what he promised. He died and then he was resurrected from the grave. There's evidence to to support that. You're the only faith that, on the face of the planet that can actually say that. Amen. Amen. That is that is some powerful, powerful stuff. So you need to understand by being a Christian, what is behind that, and why that's such such a major thing, and that no other faith can compare to that. No no other faith. So I think that's that's good. Uh, death could not hold him, and Satan could not defeat him because of his resurrection. His followers can also look forward to resurrection <coughs> and eternal life. As you, as you begin to study, take time to rejoice in the victory of he brings. So he brought victory, correct?
1: Amen.
0: Amen. I'm not going to, I don't want, I don't want a lot of stuff going on when I say this. So I want you to understand when I say it. I, I want you, somebody to weigh in. What has he given you victory over? By Christ, what did you, what did you gain victory over? I'm talking about on a personal level. If you're willing to tell on a personal level, what did you gain victory over? Mom. What's that? Mom. Your life. What the else? Drugs. That's good. Drugs? Good. Drugs. Very good. What What else?
1: Healing.
0: Healing. You got healing. Access to healing, brother. You got it. Cigarettes. Cigarettes. Victory over cigarettes. What else? Anger. Anger. That's a good one because I was going to say that one. What's that one? Bad behaviors. Bad behaviors. Listen, church, all of these things were made possible by what Christ did on the cross. All of them. And I I wanted to do that to kind of exercise you guys a little bit and, and get you guys thinking These things would not be possible had it not been for what Christ did on the cross. None of them would be possible. You and I would still be struggling in those things. And yes, temptation comes. Yeah, we deal with stuff. We get hit in the face, but but we can continue to move forward and we can be victorious over the struggles of this life and we can win. We can win because of what Christ did for us. And I think that's very, uh, very powerful. All right, so. Uh, Many people see Easter as a time to celebrate spring and the new life that comes after winter has passed. The world may not even realize this beginning of new life is a dim shadow of the new life we can receive through the one who conquered death forever. Through his resurrection, Jesus proved the truth of his claims during his ministry. Skeptics have tried to deny the resurrection, but all their attempts have been uh, unsuccessful. I wish we had time to get into that because I've got just a load of things I'd love to discuss about. The evidence that does support the resurrection. Um, so we're not going to get into that. But yes, there have been a lot of attempts on the on the resurrection to just try to disprove that. Um, the witnesses that seen him after the, after he rose from the grave, the visitations from uh, from an individual standpoint. Uh, there are so many different things that point to the proof of the resurrection. Um, that alone. And not only does it bring, uh, it brings, uh, what, what, how do I say this? Well, it adds to my staple, but at the same time, it, it brings validation to what we believe that there is no reason to disbelieve the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No reason whatsoever. Um, yes, I believe it in my heart, but, but I like the evidence that supports it. And, that, and, and what we see today is a lot of people try to say, well, there is no evidence. Yes, there is plenty of evidence. It's out there. If you dig and look, there's plenty of evidence of it. Um, and that's that's what excites me. I've actually seen stories of conversions of people looking into that com- of, of the resurrection and saying, I'm gonna, I've come to look and to find the evidence that he did not rise from the grave, so I can combat this. End up becoming a believer because they found the evidence that he did rise. That's and I, I know that's vague, but it, it happened. Uh, this one event is the crux of the Christian faith. It is. It's a, it's our crux. Uh, without it, our faith would be in vain. Now. That's the separator right there, isn't it? The separation, there's, look, there's a lot. there's been a lot of people die in history that claimed something. This goes back to the promise, remember that. There's been a lot of leaders, a lot of teachers that died throughout history that claimed one thing or another. The separator was that he rose from the grave. That's the separator. Because without the resurrection, everything else would have just been accusation and talk. Say, so, well, he, he says, he says that he, he's accused us of, of living in sin. He's accu- he said that, that uh, we're, not, um, we're not lining up with the Word of God, or all of these different things that we could point out. But the, the main focal point is that when he rose from the grave, that brings validation to everything that he said. I mean, if somebody, if somebody makes a promise... And they, they say all of these things and bring all of these promises and they put them out there and they say, and, and they say this is what's going to happen and this is going to happen. They give all of these words and they say all of these things are going to take place. And then the biggest one, the biggest one he says, and I'm going to rise again on the third day. Well then he rises again. To me, the resurrection aspect of everything that he said is the hardest part. Wouldn't you agree? The hardest part is going to be Rising from the grave. But if he rises from the grave, then what that does is if he can accomplish the hardest part, that brings validation to everything else he said. Why would I disbelieve anything that he has to say now? Because he rose from the grave. He cheated death. It's like, it's almost like he's like punched right in the devil's face. It's like, there. What do you think about that? Yeah, you can't beat that, can you? You can't. You can't. And, and, and not even, I mean, we could argue and we could, you can try to go around it. You can try to convince yourself of different things. You can't. The resurrection of Jesus Christ separates us from everything else. But what that also means is that we have to also believe everything else that he has said. We have to believe it. Because if he rose from the grave, that brings total validation to everything. To me. Now this is another aspect of it. And I'll get into this. Maybe we'll talk about it here in just a minute. But if he said, if he rose from the grave... And we believe that's true. We know that's true. He rose from the grave. But he also said, if I go away, I will come again. He said, I'm going to come again someday. I'm going to come get you. (laughs) (inaudible) Promise. No reason for me to disbelieve that. The resurrection encourages me that what he has said is true. So if he rose from the grave, he's going to come back. So, not for the believer, it's encouraging. For the disbeliever, that should be discouraging. And what we see today is just a bunch of people that try to twist it all up and try to just make you believe that none of it exists anyway. Sadly mistaken. He exists, and he's coming back one day. Okay. Mission up. Uh, well, let's go to page 27. Run scriptures. Run scriptures this morning. <coughs> Haley, go ahead.
1: First Corinthians 15, 20. But in, in fact, Christ hour. has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest, Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come, when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler in authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The scriptures tell us, the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Very good. Thank you.
0: Okay, part one, Christ's victory over death. Earlier in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul confronted those in Corinth who taught or believed there is no resurrection of the physical body, a belief that undermined the concept of bodily resurrection of Christ. Every believer will be resurrected from the dead, a fact firmly anchored in Christ's resurrection. Um, if he said it, it's going to happen. He promised it. He said, this is the way this is going to go. This is, this is going to take place. There's going to be uh, a resurrection from the dead. In verse 21 and 22, Paul used an analogy of Adam and Jesus to further explain the significance uh, of Christ's resurrection. Because of one man's sin, who was the one man's sin? Adam. Adam. Okay. All humanity would face death. Conversely, because of one man's obedience... Those who have accepted Him will experience experience a resurrection to eternal life, and this brings us to the first point of, of eternal life in understanding that here, yeah, we're dealing with a mortal body. We're dealing with uh, mortality, and it's not just the it's not just the uh, idea of death, but it's the fact that this thinking thing decays. I can't stand this thing when it decays. I got an L3 that's twisted. I've seen it in a couple x-rays. They asked me if I'd ever been in a car accident. I said, no, I've never been in a car accident. They said, well, when did that happen? I said, I don't know. Sorry, I don't know. It's twisted, though, but it makes it stiff. Anybody relate to what I'm saying? Amen. My ribs pop out. If I carry that backpack on my back too long, it bothers me. And I've noticed it's become a little bit more frequent the older I've got, which is not a cool thing because I keep thinking... I should feel like I'm in my 20s. Anybody say amen to that? (laughs) It's like, I should still feel like I'm in my 20s, but I don't. And that the reality of it is is that the body is decaying. It cannot last. You say, well, that's kind of sad, though. Yeah, maybe. But my next question is going to be, well, what's after that? Well, if this is not all there is, then what's next? It's this new glorified body that we come into grips with, in that I won't always have to feel pain. You won't always have to feel, can you imagine a life, can you imagine being in a place where there is literally no pain? Praise God. It's hard to fathom that. And even though I rejoice in that, I really can't wrap my mind around it. Because we've only known a world that has pain. We've only known when you're afflicted in your body or you sustain an injury, there's hurt with it. Or just the just going back to the injury itself, you we live in a place where you can be injured. But what about living in a place where there is no injury? And in that the body does not decay. Going back to Adam, and I thought about this, and, and, and it was to me it was you um, know it's really revealing. That was one of the punishments, if you remember. That when he was, uh, when they were uh, taken out of the garden, um, it was guarded to keep them away from the tree of life, and it was specifically said that lest they come back to the tree of life and partake of it and live forever, because at that time they could live forever, they were able to, they had access to it. You see, that's that was the whole purpose of bringing about. Bringing Christ is to redeem us back to God. But the benefit of that was you come back to the initial beginning, which was what was the initial plan? To live forever. That was the initial plan, is that you're, you're not going to die. And so to come back to that place again and to think that that's what Christ has brought, and that is what he is offering you and I. When you really start to think about it, meditate on it, it it motivates me. It motivates me to want to serve him more. Why? Because he's offering it, it's it's like it's like you it's like we've been given something and we don't even realize the value of it. Like if somebody somebody gives you a, I watch videos sometimes, um, where they'll offer somebody on the street, they'll say, uh, gold coin, or a hundred dollars. They don't realize that gold coins run around two thousand dollars an ounce right now. Gold coin or hundred dollars, they take the hundred dollars. Like nine out of ten times, they take the hundred dollars. Why? Because they think that's where the value's at. They don't realize that the value's in that gold coin. And I don't really think that a lot of times Christians miss the value of what comes with Christ. He's saying, I'm offering you eternal life. I'm offering you an opportunity to live with me forever. What an offer. What an offer.
1: Uh, One of the first things that come to mind for me and one of the things I know that I take advantage of and when Jesus did what he did, he tore the veil. We can come before God anytime, yeah, any time, right. any place, whatever we like. And I don't do it enough, honestly. Yeah, and I need to do it more. That's good. And it's, it's something that, that goes right by me sometimes when I think about the things he's done for me. Sure, he saved me from my sins. He's done all this. But he's given me an opportunity to step into the throne room without ever being there. Yep. And talking to the creator of
0: everything. Of everything. Yeah, we, just, just what Sean is saying kind of, it gives me chills. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, whoo, man, we don't get that. We don't really get the whole package of what has been given to us. So anyway, let's get back on this. Good. So Paul made two points. First, death is inevitable because it is the consequence of human sinfulness. Absolutely. Second, Christ's resurrection ensures the resurrection of those who accept him. What Adam's disobedience brought uh, upon humanity... Jesus reversed through his obedience to the Father and going to the cross to die. We've talked about this in here before. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to. He chose to. Now you have got to really meditate on that before it really sinks in. Because we just we just automatically look at it like it's almost like our brains are on autopilot. It's like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, you know, God gave his son. Did I on the cross for us? Yeah, I understand that. No, do you think about it? This is the creator. As Sean put it in perspective, this is the creator of the universe. This is the creator of all things. And he was like, how do I bring my creation back into a close relationship with me? How do I do that? The only thing that would be proper is a proper sacrifice. It would have to be something that was perfect. It would have to be something that was holy. That's the only way it'll work. I'll send my son. Would you send yours? Would we make that kind of a sacrifice? We've already agreed in here over the years that God's love is, he uses uh, agape love. He talks about his love for humanity and in the way that he loves us. But do we really understand what was sacrificed here when he gave his son to hold sin for us. What kind of love? We don't get that. I'm telling you, we don't get that. Go ahead, Rebecca.
1: I think I think about um a lot. <clears throat> you know, he when he knew his purpose when he came to this world, mm-hmm. he knew what he would uh, that he would, at the end he would have to be sacrificed and everything. Mm-hmm. He had. About that, the whole time, and just for him to just say, I know what I'm here, you know, I'm gonna have to sacrifice. That's what I'm here. And to how do. many people has made him mad while he's been here? Like at the um, when he was in the middle of the square, you know, when people were doing stuff, and he got art, met, but I just think mm-hmm. he took that big giant leap just for us.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think about uh, when you've
1: seen all the bad. Yeah, that happened.
0: he was—he was right there. Well, he hung on the cross, uh, with the with the two others, and and while he's going through this, he he's he's going to help the one get to heaven with him. He's he's saying, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Mm-hmm. What kind of love is that? Yeah. Would
1: you like? And I think if I was in that predicament, would I've done the same thing
0: that he did? Right. And we could go into detail too. We could talk about being spat on. I mean, yeah. the resurrection. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, the death. Is, is, is definitely one thing. But I'm going to kind of unpack it and think of it like this. It's like, are you okay with being spat on? Slapped in the face? Yeah. And they take a crown of thorns and they rake it on your head and they beat the fire out of you? And you still have the perspective, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? That doesn't make no sense. We, When you start putting that together, that just doesn't compute in my brain because I'm thinking, man, at some point, some point you're going to have to break he didn't he didn't break that's why you and i are sitting here with access to the throne because he didn't break he went all the way through to the very end i don't i don't got time to get into it but i think it has comes back down to that prayer too that prayer in the garden before it all came about there were some prayers going out I don't, we don't we don't get it we don't understand what how powerful of a moment that was and what he was crying out to the father for it was a very powerful moment.
1: Well, based on the, the death and the burial and, and, and resurrection, if you don't believe the resurrection, he did it for his son, and the son did it for us.
0: If you don't believe that he can do that, then you're not resurrected with him. Right, that's good, because that's a, that's a base part of our belief. If we don't believe that, then how do we call ourselves Christians? Amen.
1: Mm-hmm. That he had opportunity for the legions of angels to come and take that he steals. That's a good
0: point. That's a that's a that's a good point from a theological standpoint. That's really good because he had access to a rescue, access at any moment. Say I can call this thing off whenever I want to, and I can go back and be with my father, and we can call it quits, and we can come up with a new game plan. He didn't do it. He stuck with it.
1: Man, that's good. I always I, I think we could we know about what happened at the physical, but what spiritually happened that day? What could Jesus see that was going on
0: all around him that no one else could see? Well think about he went he went to he went to, hell to get the keys. Yeah. That's spiritual. Yeah. That's a spiritual thing. That's powerful. Very good. Okay. Appreciate y'all's input. Very good. Let's keep moving. Christ's resurrection offers us hope. When we sorrow over the sting of death or fear of our own mortality, we can look back at what Christ did for us through. Uh, through His death and resurrection. Likewise, we can look forward to what He will do for us in the future when we will be raised to eternal life. We can live in the assurance that eternal life is ours through faith in Christ. Jesus was the first fruits, first of the harvest. But we who belong to Him will be resurrected when He returns. Moving on, it says, The reign of Christ will result in the ultimate destruction of death, His final enemy at this end of the age. Uh, so, and I, the way I kind of want to explain it to you is because some people are saying some people have argued I thought that death was already beaten. Well, the sting of death we don't really have a sting of death anymore because we understand in the, from the angle that we know that this is not the only life that there is. We know that if we believe in Christ that there is a life after this. The end result is, is that death has to be fully defeated. And what that means is that there is no more death, period. Right now, we live in a life where there is death. We can't help that. We're, we live in mortal bodies. But that, with the return of Christ, will come the total assimilation uh, of death in and of itself. We won't have death anymore. Now, you don't know what it's like to live in a world with no death. We don't know that. It doesn't make sense. It, it, uh, we, we know that if there's going to be a beginning, there also has to be an end. But when the resurrection, or I should say, the the resurrection of this body happens, and we're caught away, rapture, or we die a natural death and we go to be with him, we know at that point, once we make that transfer over, we've, I don't want to use the word graduated, but we've passed over into a place of immortality. Now we don't have to die anymore. Now we don't have to experience death anymore. Now I've made that point earlier, but... Do we understand the privilege and the honor that has been stowed upon us that you can literally say right now, if you believe in Jesus Christ, that you're living immortally?
1: Mm.
0: That's you right now, right now, because you can hold on to that promise. Yeah, I live in a mortal body, but we shouldn't be intimidated by that because we know that when this body dies, it's, like, it's okay.
1: Yeah,
0: I know where I'm going. I'm going to be with him. Okay, let's keep moving. Paul does not state a time frame in this passage, though it speaks to the events after the millennial reign of Christ. Paul's primary point was to demonstrate the ultimate destruction of death. I didn't want to spend too much time on the, the millennial aspect, but when you, you read God's Word and you look at all the things that's been promised, I, and I want to, to just briefly revert back to saying that if he said it, it's going to happen. There's going to be a millennial reign where Christ is on this planet, right here, reigning for a thousand years in perfect government. He will reign on this planet so you'd be, you'd be surprised the Christians don't even get that they totally dismiss that they're like it's all over after this no actually if you look at the promises there is a tremendous amount of things that are coming unbelievable things thousand year reign to me is one of those things that's a conversation piece there's going to be a there is going to be a government here that will reign perfectly because of Christ he'll be here you think what he's coming yeah he said he was coming and he said he was going to be here And he was going to reign. So the thousand-year reign, uh, they're talking about this taking place after that. So Paul's primary point was to demonstrate the ultimate destruction of death. The Father has declared it so. Thus, there is no shadow of doubt that it will happen. In the end, Christ will vanquish all enemies. This speaks to the authority, power, and sovereignty of God. Even death, the ultimate enemy of humanity, will be defeated. The false teachers of verse 12 said there will be no resurrection, but in reality there will be no death. Christ has assured the res- that the resurrection of all who believe in Him. While the pain and grief of death is very real, we find comfort and hope of Christ. So, here's here's another thought, and I, I keep I had these sectioned off so you could it would keep working your your mind about the, the immor- immortality of it. People that you just mentioned here, um, the grief of the pain and grief of death is very real. A lot of you in here have lost loved ones uh, over the years. People that were believers, loved, were close to. There is going to come a day when you come back into, you're going to come into a place where we call that the the, the great reunion day where we're reunited with all the people that went on before us. They are not hurting anymore. They are not in pain anymore. They are living, we're still living in pain. We're still living with grief of the ones that went on before us. We still got to deal with that. But there will come a day once that is completely taken away that we will come back to a reunion. When we see them, we'll be immortal. Never to leave them again. Do you, can, you, can you grasp what's been offered there? You think, well, but I lost them. Not forever. Amen. Not forever. Not forever you'll be back with them someday. If they were believers, and you're a believer, one day you will be back with them again. But you won't be departing. It'll be forever. Now that grabs at the heartstrings because that that pushes past the point of our grief and the things that we have struggled with from a personal level. Because a lot of times it's hard to see past the grief because it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to see past the pain because it, it it hurts so bad. But the point is, is that it won't always be like this. And if they were believers and you, and you believe that there will come a day that you'll be reunited with them. And then we won't have to worry about that stuff anymore. And all of this would just be a I don't even know if it'll be a memory. I don't really know how that works. I don't know how it could be a memory because it's painful. But does it really matter? (laughs) Does it really matter? As long as we get to go and be with the one who allowed all of this. Couldn't ask for anything more. Okay. i got to keep moving, guys. I'm sorry. Um, Last one, I think. Yeah. Uh, We might ask, how is my life impacted today by Christ's victory over death and the hope of eternal life? Such hope does not make our daily challenges disappear. Rather, it points us toward Christ who gives help for today and hope for tomorrow anybody got any challenges that they've been dealing with lately we all know that the challenges don't disappear sometimes it feels like they increase it's like man it just gets more complicated it gets more complicated and 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 you know what's crazy about the two stacy is that even if you don't have any internal problems going on in your family or something that you're fired that you're having to put out somewhere or some situation even if it's all going pretty well life in itself is just complicated amen I mean not even throwing gas on the fire. It's just complicated. It just seems like it just seems like the more life goes on, things get more complicated. And it gets more complicated. That's how the stuff that you see on, on the news and the television, you're like, oh my goodness, where is this thing going? Well obviously not anywhere good. But we have a hope. We have a hope of what's ahead.
1: Amen.
0: All right, let's keep moving. We've got part two. I want to get into this. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to get through this. I'd like to get to part three if we can. Paul then, uh, in part two, sharing in Christ's victory, Paul then refuted the questions of those with a wrong understanding of the resurrection. Greek philosophy included a, <clears throat> a belief that while the soul or mind was immortal and good, the body was evil and would eventually decay. Some Corinthian Christians did not believe in a physical resurrection because they believed the body to be evil. Well, the reason that there's going to be a, a, a resurrection of that physical body is because there has to be a conversion. It's the conversion from the mortal to the immortal. Why? You think, well, why is it exactly like that? I don't know. It was promised. I just know what's going to happen. Is, is, uh, is the flesh inherently evil? Yeah, this thing is pretty evil. The same pretty much is a contradiction to what God wants to do. Can we agree with that? Yeah. The thing is constantly in contradiction to what God wants to do. There's always seemingly desires to want to go do something else. I, I find it in the small things. For me personally, it's like I should be, I need to pray right now. But there's always my flesh is like, let's go over here and do this. <laughs> yeah. Let's go over here and do this. Oh, we don't want to pray. Not right now. We'll we'll do it later. How many of you hear that procrastination in the mind? We'll we'll pray later. We'll pray later. <clears throat> How many of you realize that when later comes, you end up not praying then? Yeah. Also, okay. So I'm not alone in this. So um, there's this constant, <laughs> this constant battle with that body. So the body has there has to be a conversion from the from the mortal to the immortal, um, and when that takes place, that fulfills his promise. So in verse thirty six, Paul bluntly referred to the denial of the resurrection as foolishness. He used the example of a seed to show that life comes out of death. A seed planted in the ground decays or dies, but will eventually sprout into a beautiful plant. So will it be with the resurrection of the saints. The resurrection of Christians will uh, include a God-given body. In the physical world, God has given beings different bodies. Humans, animals, fish, and birds. Heavenly bodies are also different. Our almighty God can take physical matter and form it as he likes, according to whatever purpose he gives. How foolish, then, to deny that God can raise... that that God can raise a body from the dead. So we know there's no denial in that. So in 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44, Paul explained that the future body, which every believer will have, is different from our present physical bodies. And I said earlier, thank God, that it's different. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be the same. I don't want a twisted L3 in heaven. (laughs) Right? I don't want to deal with that. The earthly body will decay, and from it will come an immortal body. A dead body lacks honor and bears the consequences of sin But it will be raised as a glorified body The physical body is weak, frail, and dying But the new body will live forever in resurrection power The physical body is of this world But the glorified risen body will be suitable for the world to come You need a suitable body for the suitable place that you're going to be in Amen. You need a suitable body And that you need an immortal body something that's eternal something that will last this physical body cannot stand in the presence of God it can't it will just it'll just go away uh if you've ever spent if you ever spent time in prayer and you love if you're in a, like a real hot fervent place in prayer and you spend uh more time in prayer more time in prayer uh it starts to wear you out it starts to get tired physically it wears you down uh there have been times I've wept just weeping before the Lord and crying and worshiping and It just gets so, I'm like, you know what? I am really tired. And you think, you think, I wish we could, man, you know, I wish I could be in a place where I could just worship him and not get tired. That'll happen someday. That will happen someday. This body just can't take it. We got to have a, we got to have a different body. We have to have have a unified body. So this great contrast is seen in Adam and Christ. Adam uh, represents the earthly being, which is sin stricken and bound to earth. Christ represents the heavenly being, which is eternal and incorruptible. The first man was made of the dust of the ground, the second is of heaven. The natural body will return to the dust, but those who have been born again will be raised to incorruption. In eternity, all who have believed in Christ will be heavenly, celestial, and immortal. On earth we have borne the corrupt state of the earthly Adam, or earthly man Adam. In heaven we will bear the state of the resurrected Savior. All right, that's good. Sorry, I just got had to. I got to kind of bust off through that so we can get to three. I've got about. I'd like to quit it in about ten minutes if I can. I'm trying to stay on track, Church. I apologize. <laughs> I'm trying. <clears throat> Part three: Triumphant through Christ's victory. Paul begins the conclusion of his argument to support of the resurrection of of the dead in First 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty. A corruptible physical body cannot inherit God's kingdom. It is unsuitable for eternity, and it must be changed. Amen. Amen. Such a change will take place, but not while we live in this corruptible world. When and how this transformation will happen is a mystery known only to God, and we can understand it only to the degree God reveals to us in Scripture. The rapture of the church will take place in the briefest of moments. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15-17. The Greek term... Translated moment refers to a fragment of time so short it cannot be divided any further. There's a lot of, <clears throat> there's been a lot of debate over when this is going to happen, how this is going to happen, to what to what degree this is going to happen. I've, man, I've listened to a lot of different what talks on this. Makes. That's exactly the point I was about to make. Yeah. What difference does it make? And I, and I get it. I mean, I, I know everybody wants to know. and that's, I think I, th- I think that's one of our shortcomings is I that know. we always want to know something before it happens. It's like geared into us. We always want to know it before it gets there. But there's just simply some things that you cannot know ahead of time, and you're going to have to let time just play its way out. It says it's so quick of a time frame that you can't even divide it anymore. That's how quick it is. Some say, um, well, it's going to happen here. It's going to happen in this time frame. And some say it's going to happen in this time frame. And... um, I did. I come to the conclusion, you know what? I'm tired of racking my brain trying to figure this thing out. It's not meant to be figured out. Yeah. And and truth be told, I really don't care anymore. Amen. Whenever you choose to come, I'll be ready. Amen. That's the thing you should be most worried about. Amen. Is if you believe in a rapture that can happen at any moment, then why ain't we spending more time getting ready?
1: Amen. Yeah, come on.
0: It's like we spend more time trying to figure out what he's cooking up behind the scenes so we can somehow wait until the very last minute to do what we need to do. Amen. Sometimes I think that's kind of what the kind of what people are shooting for. Is if I can figure it out prior to then I can wait until the last second and then I'll do it. I don't think it works that way. And I don't think God works like a formula. I don't think you can just plug it in and pull out anytime you feel like it. Amen. I think the heart is is a major. I don't how do I say this? I try to say this very carefully. The heart, the, the heart is the thing that changes. You can't just come onto the scene and say, "All right, God, I'm ready to be saved now, save me." I don't think it works quite like that. No, no, no. You have to be beckoned and drawn, and then we repent. Yeah. And we're playing with fire, literally, literally. We're playing with fire if you think you're going to wait till the last minute and then make a change. That's a scary thought somebody had their hand up i'm sorry oh
1: jim go ahead sorry you know i don't know what it is in the bible but it says that the same spirit that raised jesus from the dead Mm -hmm. will raise us from the dead yeah the same spirit Same spirit. and we have to realize that Mm -hmm. that it takes that same spirit the holy spirit yes that's that's right the wholeness of jesus is what he changed to change his body just like we will
0: yep
1: and the same power that that throws him up and changed his same power
0: is going to bring us out right. of there. And we know if it happened with him, it's going to happen with us. That's Amen. good. Okay, so it says, In that moment, the body will be transformed and the mortal becomes immortal. The victory of eternal life replaces the defeat of death. Death lost its power with the resu- uh, with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it will finally be destroyed with the resurrection of the saints. Death will no longer threaten us. Even though death still comes to the Christian, its sting will be replaced with eternal hope. The sting of death is the consequence of sin. Through the law, sin exposes our ungodliness. But Jesus dealt with sin once and for all through his sacrificial death on the cross. One point that I want to make as we come to the conclusion of this lesson, and we obviously know that this is a a time that we... Well, let's just look at the title. I think it's Death 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 Destroyed. I was going to say Death Defeated. We obviously know that that's the case especially on, on Resurrection Sunday, that this is something we talk about. And we all talk about the, the belief in Christ and, and how important that is and how much that's changed our lives. And I, I concur with all those things, all of them. But the, the thing that I really want to make sure that you know before you leave here this morning is that this is God is not somebody to trifle with. He's not. His promises are not something to trifle with. He's not somebody to play around with or mess around with in that as we grow closer to the end of time, I notice that he is giving his church ample time over and over and over again to prepare themselves for his return. Now, we don't know when that is. We don't know. But I refer back to the promise, and if he said he's going to come back again, then he's going to come back. Let me draw down on this. Easter often is, we've got our kind of our idea of what we do on Easter and, and, and what it represents. But it's not just a day. It's your whole life. Amen. It's everything that you are. In that, if Christ is just some idea in the back, he needs to quickly move to the pri- top of your priority list in your life. And you have got to make him number one again. you got to make sure he stays there. Because the gift and the thing that has been offered to you and me is priceless. It's absolutely priceless. And to think that somehow we can mess around with that. That somehow that that somehow we can just uh, go through this life messing around, and I might I might repent. I might do the right thing if I feel like it. I might read the word today. I don't know, and I have really been hammering myself over this recently. I would say I've been probably a bit abusive to myself, but that may be a good thing. That if I really believe that this is as serious as I say it is, then there's going to have to be some actions to follow. And if we truly do believe that we're at the end of time, and if we truly do believe that this is quickly closing up, and we really don't know when he's going to make his return, shouldn't that scare you just a little bit? Shouldn't that just just jar your heart just a little bit to say, you know what, maybe I should wake up and believe me, oh gosh, believe me, I'm not standing up here trying to act like I've got to figure it out because I promise you, I haven't. I jar myself all the time. Don't you fall asleep, Tanner. Don't you fall asleep. He's going to come at a time that you don't expect. That's been promised to you and I. That bothers me. That bothers me. Because after all the (laughs) looking and searching and all the all the Scripture splicing and, and all the 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 theological debates and then trying to figure out when this time frame is he bluntly said you don't know You ain't never gonna know But I'm still gonna come yeah. And that bothers me and that bothers me in a good way though. I'm a bit uncomfortable With that thought that at any moment he could come back you only get one chance One there's not a second I'm talking about life in general. Yeah, right now, right now you can repent. Right now, if you fall under conviction, you can repent of your sin, and you can make your life right with Christ. You can do that today. Right now, you can make that right. But when he makes his return and gathers his church, it's over. There are no more chances. Time is over, and we've missed our chance. He said one day it's going to happen. I hope that we take this seriously. Seriously seriously what has been given to you and me by the cross finishing out last paragraph finally paul expressed gratitude to god who provided our spiritual victory through jesus christ while this victory will be enjoyed forever in in the resurrected state it also encompasses the gracious gifts we receive from god every day Mm -hmm. through the power of the holy spirit we can find victory over sin victory in spiritual battles and victory that carries us through life challenges Everybody say victory. Victory. That's what you have this morning. And it all has been made possible through the glorious sacrifice and resurrection of our Savior. Amen. I cannot, I cannot express. I don't have words. The English language doesn't do it. I just don't have quite the, the gratitude in place to, to express how grateful I am to ha- be living in that right now. Living in that right now. I got I got a chance this morning just like you do. I got an opportunity. Take advantage of your chance this morning, please. Take advantage of the gift that's been freely given. It's been given to you. We 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 don't we don't have a lot of time left. And if you don't think that, if you just simply just don't believe that Christ is coming back soon, I'll just simply put it this way you ain't gonna live forever. And you don't know when your life's gonna be taken from you. Make every opportunity count. Take him at his word. Repent of your sin. Come to know the Lord. We're about five till Easter Sunday. I want to quit there. Give us plenty of time for fellowship. God bless you guys. Have an awesome resurrection Sunday.